Now remain standing for our gospel lesson from John 14, also our sermon text. I'll read verses 25 and 26. Give ear to the gospel of our God. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Thus far the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessings on the reading and the hearing, the preaching of your word. As we meditate on what your spirit has inspired, may he, your spirit, work in us and teach us how to believe it and how to obey it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. As Bobby said, this is the first Sunday in Advent, which means it's the first Sunday of the new year. This is when the church year begins, the first Sunday in Advent. And one of the things, one of the themes of Advent is living in the inter-Advental age, which is now. So Advent means coming. So we think about, we meditate on, we remember, and we anticipate the comings of Christ, his first coming about two millennia ago, and then his second coming, which is still in the future. We live between the two advents. And this Sunday and next Sunday, we're just going to continue in John's gospel and consider what Jesus left us. Uh, when, When he left us, what he left for us here during this age. First, he left us his spirit, and then next week we'll consider that he left us his peace. So, with your Bibles open to John 14, let's go ahead and and dig in here. Now, even though verse 26 is the shortest section in John's gospel on the Holy Spirit, in this one verse, John provides his fullest definition of the Holy Spirit. Look at the three ways that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit there in verse 26. First, he describes the Spirit as a helper. Now, the word helper here means counselor or paraclete. It's from the Greek word parakletos. And the second description is the Spirit as holy. This is the first time we see the Spirit described as holy, as the Holy Spirit. In verse 26, at the end there, we finally see, or at the end of those three descriptions, is the description of teacher. The emphasis in verse 26, in fact, is on the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to focus today. We've considered the Holy Spirit as helper already. We will consider the holiness of the Holy Spirit in future sermons as we get there. But today we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit as teacher because that's what is highlighted here in verse 26. Let me read verses 25 and 26 again just to make sure we're familiar. These things I have spoken to you 
while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus uses the pronoun you or your five times in just those two verses that I read. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the first question we might ought to ask is who are the the you in these two verses? Who's Jesus referring to? Of course, the reference is primarily, when we take this in its historical context, it's primarily to the 11 apostles to whom he is speaking. These men were Christ's authoritative spokesmen for the truth, or they would be. They were to remember it and preach it and write it down as the Spirit led them and taught them and brought to their memory the truth and the implications of the life death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. This was a unique ministry, we could say, of the Holy Spirit to the original apostles, to the eleven. Nonetheless, there is a secondary sense in which these words apply to us as well. The Holy Spirit also teaches Christians living today. He brings to our memory the truth and the implications of the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can't confine this promise in verse 26 to the 11. That's too narrow an application. It's it's not how Jesus or John intended us to interpret these words. It's not what John's intention was when he was writing to his first audience decades after Jesus had ascended into heaven. The teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit reaches far beyond the day of Pentecost. It extends beyond the gift of writing down the sacred words of God in the inspired books of the New Testament. It goes beyond those things. It must. J.C. Ryle put it this way in his comment on this verse. He said that we should regard this promise, quote, as a common property of all believers in every age of the world. Our Lord knows the ignorance and forgetfulness of our nature in spiritual things. He graciously declares that when he leaves the world, his people shall have a teacher, end quote. The Holy Spirit teaches us just as he taught the first disciples. And we'll see more about how the rest of the New Testament fleshes this out. As we go through here. So he brings to our remembrance the truths just as he did for the original disciples. But first we do need to consider how this promise applied to the original disciples. These were men who needed to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Now you might think when I say that they needed to be taught by the Holy Spirit. You might say but you know. Why would these guys need the Holy Spirit to teach them? They had been with Jesus for three years, day in and day out. They followed him everywhere. They they heard him teach the things that he taught, the things that he said, over and over. 
And we know that we, we don't have everything that Jesus ever said in the Gospels. So in a sense, they, they heard more than anyone ever has about the teachings of Christ. So surely this was enough for them to, to get a good handle on the Gospel and on the ministry of Christ. Well, it's true that Jesus did teach them everything that they needed to know. And he taught them everything they needed to know more than once. Nevertheless, what we see in the Gospels is that they didn't have the faith to understand and receive most of what Jesus had said. They hadn't really learned the great Gospel truths that Jesus had spoken to them. They were confused. Having spent three years or so with the greatest teacher there ever was, they were still in need of the Holy Spirit's teaching. In this particular moment, their failure to learn is actually understandable. You know, sometimes we get you know, a, little, a little exasperated as we read the Gospels. And if we're not careful, we forget to see ourselves in the, the apostles when they're thick-headed. But, but maybe here, it's a little bit more understandable, right? Jesus had announced his departure. And this devastating news had so seized their hearts and their minds that they were unable to hear or think about anything else that Jesus was trying to teach them in this moment. They weren't interested in hearing about another helper or another teacher. They only wanted Jesus to stay and help them and counsel them and teach them. The only thing they were really hearing in this moment, at this point, is that Jesus says he's about to leave us. And they don't understand why. They can't put the pieces together. It's not making sense. It's not how it was supposed to play out. And I think that when we consider their situation, we, we will see that this is similar to how we are. Like the apostles, you and I are typically, maybe, more teachable at least, when things are going the way we think they should go, and when the person teaching us isn't really telling us much of what we don't want to hear. But how teachable are we when life is hard or when the scripture you're reading isn't telling you what you were expecting it to say or what you're in the mood for? Are you able to hear the clear voice of Jesus even when the groanings of this fallen creation get loud around you? Are you able to hear Jesus? Life's undesirable circumstances often seize our hearts and our minds the way they seized the apostles' hearts and minds. And they seize us so fiercely that we're unable to hear the promises of Scripture. The gospel becomes complicated instead of simple. In those moments, the words of Jesus no longer seem powerful or maybe no longer seem relevant or maybe no longer seem applicable to us right now. There's a disconnect. What's it matter that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit? 
What's it matter that he's given me the Holy Spirit as a helper if, if it never seems to make a difference day to day in my life? What's it matter that Jesus has given me his Holy Spirit as a teacher if I'm so slow, if I'm such a slow learner and I never seem to do much right or I never seem to figure things out very quickly? What's it matter that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are always with me and even make their home in me, as the text has said. When the feeling that dominates my life is loneliness. Or sometimes, maybe it's just life's smaller disappointments that take our eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes the steady stream of everyday setbacks, frustrations, and annoyances are enough to keep us from giving thanks in every circumstance. Sometimes those everyday groanings are enough to make us forget what Jesus taught us about life in this world. Jesus said, In John, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we like the the part where Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And we want to take over the world with him, but we tend to forget the part where Jesus says that this life will be full of troubles. It'll always be full of everyday setbacks, frustrations, annoyances, groanings. And it will occasionally send you more painful disappointments. And some of them may even stay with you for life. But at no point along the way, at no point in this journey of living in the interadvental age, is it okay to forget, to not remember the promises of God or to set them aside, or to treat them as less important than whatever it is that you are enduring. They're never less important. At no point along the way is it acceptable to fix your eyes on the difficult circumstances instead of on Jesus and His Word and whatever He is teaching you in that moment. Whatever the Spirit is teaching you. In that moment. That was the disciples' failure here. That's what they failed to do. They had fixed their eyes on their gloomy circumstances. Future. They were walking by sight rather than by faith. They, they saw no real way to be joyful or thankful or at peace at this moment. Didn't seem possible. So Jesus tells them in essence, you, need, you still need teaching. You've been taught, but you lack understanding and you're forgetful. You need a teacher who will come alongside you, who will live with you, walk with you, live in you, and remind you of everything I've already told you. Not new stuff, everything I've already said. So I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit Father's going to send him. He's coming to teach you everything, all things, Jesus says. 
Now, when Jesus says all things here twice, he doesn't mean that the Spirit will reveal to them or to us everything that can be known. Only God knows everything that can be known, and he's the only one who ever will know everything that can be known. What Jesus means here is that the Holy Spirit will reveal to them and to us everything that's important, everything that's central, everything that Jesus had taught them, everything there is to know about life in Christ. If you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will make sure, is making sure, that you have everything that you need for life and godliness. Or as one translation puts it, for a godly life. Life and godliness, they're sort of one concept in 2 Peter 1.3. The divine power of Jesus, 2 Peter 1.3 says, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. The divine power of Jesus has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Well, verse 26 is a pregnant verse, and let's start at the beginning and make a few observations. The first thing we see is that the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit is actually a Trinitarian affair. The Father sends the Spirit to believers in the name of Jesus. Do you see that in verse 26? The entire Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the entire Godhead is interested in making sure that you and I learn everything that Jesus taught us, everything he said. The God who sees all of our stiff, our hard-headedness and our hard-heartedness, our unteachableness, is the same God who sends the Holy Spirit in the name of of Jesus to make sure we learn the way of Christ. And God does make sure that we learn. The Father doesn't send the Spirit in vain. When God sends the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, He accomplishes His intended purposes every single time. Consider how effective this teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit was in the lives of the 11 apostles. Immediately after Jesus sent them the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the disciples quickly began to get it. Not long after Pentecost, I'm sorry, not long before Pentecost, impetuous Peter had told Jesus that he would never be crucified. Far be it, Lord, that such a thing should happen to you. But just weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, right after the Spirit had been poured out on him and, and the other 11 and, and 120 of them in the upper room there, what do we hear the same Peter saying? We hear him proclaiming to the people gathered in Jerusalem that the crucifixion of Christ was in accordance 
with the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You see the turnaround in just a few weeks? The Spirit had transformed Peter. The Spirit had taught Peter. Now, the Spirit didn't tell Peter anything that Jesus hadn't already taught him. But in in the name of Jesus, the witness of the Spirit in Peter accomplished in Peter what it was sent to accomplish. And what it must accomplish and what it will accomplish in every person who truly belongs to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one, the person, who causes the Holy Scriptures to do their work of making believers wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The first disciples were taught by the Holy Spirit, and so are we. Even though we have the entire New Testament, as well as the Old we're just as much in need of the Spirit's teaching ministry as they are. In ourselves, you and I are unable to understand spiritual truths. Even, even, when, we, even when we read them over and over again on the pages of Scripture, the Holy Spirit must come alongside our reading and hearing of God's Word to give us faith to give us understanding of what it says, of what Christ says to us. Paul makes this point very clear in the first epistle to the Corinthians. And in fact, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me there. Let's read. We're going to read a, a passage from 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2, we'll start in verse 9 and read through verse 13. First Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us Through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So they've been given to us, but we can't know them without the spirit. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Hear that? The Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You keep your place there. We're going to come back there in just a minute and read another verse or two from the same chapter toward the end of the sermon. So, in, in summary here, 
in the first instance, we've seen that the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit taught the truth, the truths, we could say, of Jesus to the apostles so that they were to understand them, understand the truth, and then write it down for us to read and to hear and to proclaim. In the second instance, we've considered that the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit teaches us to understand those same truths of Jesus that the apostles have written down for us. Now the last part of verse 26 speaks of the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and, this is an important part, and bring to your Remembrance all things that I said to you. The Spirit's teaching ministry is primarily a ministry of bringing the teachings of Scripture to our remembrance, to our minds. This reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit teaches us two separate truths. First, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit doesn't instruct us in new doctrines. Rather, He instructs us in the old truths. He brings the old, the ancient truths to our remembrance. As I, medit- as, as I meditated on verse 26 this week, this past week, I was reminded of Jeremiah 6, verse 16, where God tells His people to stand at the crossroads And look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Andrew Peterson has a good song based on that verse. The good way, the way that leads to rest for your soul is the old way. The old roads, the The ancient paths, as God puts it in Jeremiah 6. God's wisdom is not new. My calling as your preacher, as your teacher, is not to teach you new and interesting and exciting doctrine. My job is to stand up here week after week and remind you of the old truths of the ancient faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. In other words, my job is to imitate as best I can the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, who never teaches you anything about the person and work of Christ that is brand new, that is novel, but who regularly brings the old gospel doctrines to your remembrance. My role in this church as a member of this body, as your teacher, is to call you again and again to those ancient paths. Your main teacher, your inspired teacher, the Holy Spirit, your, your, I should have said divine teacher is what I meant to say, your divine teacher, the Holy Spirit, is the one who actually accomplishes this 
in your life. So the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the truths, the old truths of Christ. The second truth that the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit teaches us is that we're forgetful. We are forgetful. We forget those old truths. Or at least we forget to believe them and to live as though they really are true even after we've heard them dozens of times. Of course, we, we seldom forget everything all at once, right? But we often forget the very truths that we need the most, that we need to be thinking about the most. On some days... We remember that in this world we will have troubles, to refer back to that teaching of Christ that I mentioned earlier. On some days we remember that in this world we will have troubles, but we forget to take heart since Jesus has overcome the world. He he is the conqueror. On other days we remember that Jesus has overcome the world, and yet we forget that our victory in Christ will always be accompanied in this world by troubles and groaning. In fact, often the path to victory is the path of suffering, adversity, and death. Just read the book of Revelation. Read the book of Acts. We're a forgetful people. And as such, we're always at risk of overplaying some truths at the expense of others. And so we need a divine teacher to live with us and remind us of all the truths of the gospel over and over and over again, all of our lives. We need this. We need this regularly. And as the Holy Spirit reminds us, He equips us, in reminding us, He equips us to remind others. Dr. Boyce writes, quote, The history of the church is the history of great blessing through the Holy Spirit, a time of reformation and revival, followed by a gradual forgetting of the message. This happens again and again. So one of the jobs of the minister is to remind the congregation of the old truths. One of the jobs of Christian people is to remind each other of them. And one of the jobs of the Christian church is to remind the world of these old doctrines, even though the world may reject them. End quote. Verse 26 implies at least one more thing that we mustn't miss, that we mustn't forget. And we'll end on this point. It teaches us that the focus of the Holy Spirit's teaching ministry is Jesus Christ. The object of his teaching ministry is the person and work of Christ. This means that the purpose of Scripture, which the Holy Spirit inspired, is to reveal Jesus Christ centrally. Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, he will bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. And a chapter later, 
in John 15, 26, and you can look if you still have your Bibles open. You may have them in 1 Corinthians, as I said. Uh, Jesus expands on this. He says in John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And skip down to John 16, 14. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. You can just go ahead and stay there. I'm going to cut, cut this a little shorter and not go back to 1 Corinthians 1. But do you see here that the helper, the Holy Spirit, his ministry, his teaching ministry is focused on Jesus Christ, on what he did, what he accomplished, what he said. That's what he is in the business of declaring And so the Holy Spirit, working together with the living and active Word of God, testifies to Jesus again and again. He declares Jesus to us again and again. He drives us to Jesus again and again. That's his mission. That's what he was sent to do. That's how he works together with the Scriptures and accomplishing the good purposes of God in us. Now, those of us who love to study the Bible, which, which I hope is all of us, we are in danger of forgetting this, what I just said. We're susceptible to making Scripture an end in itself. Too often we study the Bible no differently than we would a, a textbook or a regular book. And in in these moments, our goal is perhaps to download data or to to fill our head with with information, with knowledge, rather than to grow in the love, in our love for Christ, to grow in our knowledge of the person and work of Jesus Christ. But the Bible isn't just a body of ancient material designed to satisfy intellectual curiosities. It can do that way down the line as a secondary thing. But we should never treat the Bible as an end in itself, as information to be obtained. Instead, we must see Scripture from Genesis to Revelation as the living and active words of the living and active Lord Jesus Christ. They're they're the words, the living words of our living King. He's speaking to us. And and so all roads in the written word of God lead to the word of God made flesh. All roads in the written word of God lead to the word of God made flesh. Jesus Christ, the word of God, the eternal word of God, has spoken to you in the words of Scripture. He's revealed himself to you in the holy writings of of our faith. He's not a silent God. He's a talkative God. He speaks. And He has given you His Spirit so that you can understand the things that He has said to you. The goal of Scripture and the goal of the Holy Spirit are the same at this point. They share the same purpose in your life. 
the aim of the Spirit and the aim of the Scriptures is that Christ be magnified in your body. That's Paul's language. Whether by life or by death, Paul said, my earnest expectation and hope is that Christ will be magnified in my body. Bobby preached an excellent sermon on that passage last week. How does God turn you into a person who is magnifying Christ, a person in whom Christ is being magnified? What means does God use to make you a person in whom Christ is being magnified? The two most important agents in accomplishing this in you are the living and active scriptures and the living and active spirit who inspired them. If your main purpose in reading and studying scripture is something other than knowing and loving Christ more, then you're at loggerheads with the Holy Spirit. The main thing the Holy Spirit wants you to know and believe and treasure is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The main thing the Holy Spirit is interested in teaching you is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, maybe I, maybe I should have, instead of main thing, maybe I should say the only thing. The only thing the Holy Spirit wants you to know and believe and treasure is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The only thing the Holy Spirit is interested in teaching you is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was chicken to say it that way the first time because it seems like an overstatement, right? But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I decided, I made the decision to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So, so what am I afraid of in saying it that way? Do we even know what Paul means here when he says this at, at, our, at the heart level? Have, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever made that decision for yourself, have you made that conscious decision? Paul did. He said, I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Have you ever read the Bible with the intent of knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Have you ever communed with the Holy Spirit while meditating on the Scriptures and decided in that moment to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Have you ever gone a week and decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified? Have you ever decided to know nothing among your coworkers except Jesus Christ and him crucified? Have you ever decided to know nothing among those that you live with except Jesus Christ and him crucified? 
Jesus Christ and him crucified is just another way of saying all things. Everything. There in John 14, 26. Jesus says of the Spirit in verse 26, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. All things here means no more and no less than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The promise here is that the Spirit will teach believers everything. Everything. All things is a comprehensive statement. He'll teach you everything that you need for life and godliness, for a godly life in Christ, as Peter puts it. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Which is to say, He will not teach you anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. We need the help of the Spirit whom you have sent to us to teach us everything, to teach us Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Please accomplish this in us. We ask humbly and fervently in the name of Jesus. Amen.